Welcome to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. Let's get inspired. Hi, friend, and thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode, Turning Your Hobby into a Business. I'm your happy hostess, Amy Latta. I am a blogger at amylattacreations.com. I am also an author of three hand lettering books and another coming out in the spring. And I have been an Etsy seller. I've done all kinds of things to turn my own creative passions into a business that makes money for my family. So today I'm excited to be answering some of the most common questions that I get from folks who want to start doing just that. Now there are lots and lots of ways that you can monetize your hobbies. Some of the ways that I have done that are obviously through my website, my books, etc. But today we're really going to focus on the most common way that folks want to try to turn their hobbies into a money-making endeavor, which is by creating and then selling the things that they have made. So basically, we're starting with the premise that you are an artist or a crafter, you make something that you love, and now you want to sell it, and we're going to go from there. So if you find yourself in that situation, then this podcast is just for you. Maybe you find yourself in the position of never really having thought about that before, or maybe you've thought that monetizing would be too hard or that you just don't know how to go about doing that, um, so you've never really been interested. If that's you, then this podcast is also for you because it'll give you some basic steps to take to start down that road and to give you the option to decide whether or not monetizing is the right way to go. And if you don't find yourself falling into one of those categories, you probably know someone who makes things and would be interested in selling them. And if that's the case, then I would love it if you would point them in this direction and help them to be able to get started um, on the road of selling their creations for profit. So today I'm going to be starting to talk you through the five basic questions that you need to ask yourself as you go about turning a creative hobby into a money-making business. Uh, We're going to get as far as we can, and then we're going to tackle the remaining questions in the next episode. So we're starting with these five basic questions, which are, what are you selling? How do you price it? What do you call it? Why are you selling? And where and how are you selling? So those five questions are the things that we're going to break down and kind of walk through. And hopefully, if you are someone who's really interested in pursuing this, you'll find yourself with something like a business plan by the time that we're through. So as we go, kind of answer these questions in your mind, and you can always come back and revisit them after you've listened once. Um, And you can answer those questions to help you define what your business is going to look like. So the first of those questions that we're going to tackle today is what are you selling? So most of you probably have one particular skill or thing that you like to do and you want to pursue that particular thing. So maybe you crochet and you want to sell the things you crochet. Maybe you metal stamp and you want to sell jewelry. 
Um, maybe you are someone who's good at lots of different creative endeavors. Um, I would advise that you kind of narrow that down to the things that you enjoy most and think that you're best at because having something that is sort of a hodgepodge of all different kinds of things can be overwhelming for your buyers. So you kind of want to choose a niche. You want to specialize in something. So you want to really think about what is it that I want to put out there and sell. Now, it could be a physical project, uh, product, it could be a digital product, but either way, whatever it might be, you want to think about, is this thing that I'm selling going to be something that I mass produce, or am I going to do more of a made-to-order kind of situation where people can personalize and customize? So to help you understand the pros and cons of those two different routes, I want to tell you a little bit about my own Etsy shop when I did a shop where I was selling t-shirts that were imprinted with vinyl hand-lettered designs that I had created. So when I started the shop, what I did was I went on jiffyshirts.com, which if you are interested in making t-shirts is my number one favorite resource uh, where you can find inexpensive blank t-shirts that you can order. You can get free shipping over a certain price and they'll send them right to your house and you can order all different kinds of styles and sizes and colors. So what I did was I went on jiffyshirts.com and I chose a particular t-shirt. It was a women's fit short sleeve t-shirt in gray with a v-neck and I ordered that particular shirt in a full run of sizes, everything from small up to a 2XL. I ordered several of each, a few extras of medium and large because I assumed correctly that those were going to be the most popular sizes. And then I chose a design. It was a lettered version of It Is Well With My Soul that I flourished and I digitalized that. I don't know if digitalized is a word, but now it is. Um, I made it digital and I cut it out from heat transfer vinyl on my silhouette machine. I weeded it and then I used a heat press to attach it to the front of each shirt. The pros to doing things that way and mass producing that one particular design were that it was relatively quick and easy to make because I was making all the same thing. Um, it was easy to order the supplies. I made sure that I had exactly what I wanted and I got lots of them knocked out in one afternoon. I had a friend come over and help me weed the designs and we just made a whole bunch of them. Then when it came time that an order came through, all I had to do was go grab one of those shirts, put it in an envelope and mail it off. Um, even easier if you're selling in a physical situation, you know, the customer just picks it up, buys it and walks away. So those are the pros of doing things that way. But the con is that it's sort of a like it or leave it situation. So if you make all the same basic thing like I did, you know, gray shirt, v-neck, ladies fit, this design, if someone liked parts of it but not all of it, then they wouldn't make that purchase and I don't make any money. So what I found happening was folks messaging me and they were saying, hey, I really like this, but I'd like it better if it were pink. Or I'd like it better if it weren't ladies fit. I just want a unisex t-shirt. Or I don't look good in a v-neck. Can I get it in a scoop neck? Can I order a 3x? Can I blah, blah, blah. Lots and lots of things that people wanted to personalize and customize. So I thought, well, hey, I'm all about making more sales. So what if I offer lots of customization? 
And I promise you this much, friends, if you offer for people to be able to customize and make to order, they will. One of the appeals about handmade products is that people feel like they can get exactly what they want. It's not like shopping at Target or the other big box stores where you go and they have this shirt, this cut and style available in this color. People come to it thinking, well, you made it. You can make me one that's the way I want it. Whether good or bad, that's what they think. So I would get lots and lots of requests. And then I started to get requests for, well, can you make it say this instead? I want a different design. I want it to say this thing that I used to say to my grandmother. And the pros to that are obviously that you're making more sales. But the cons to that are it's very, very difficult to stock all the supplies that you might possibly need for someone's custom order. Now, it depends on how you're customizing, I suppose, because like when I was selling jewelry on Etsy, I was offering birthstone customization, and that's not as bad because there's only 12 basic birthstones. So if you had the jewels, the little gems in those 12 colors, you were kind of always prepared for whatever people asked for. But when you're doing something where people can ask for all kinds of variations, different colors, fits, styles, um, you open yourself up to needing a lot of things that you might not have on hand. And I didn't personally want to order one of everything that JiffyShirt.com carries. So I would either find myself ordering things that I thought people might want and then getting stuck with them, or I would find myself in a panic because I got an order for five orange shirts size small and I didn't have any of those in stock. No, I could order them, but that takes a while to get those things and I want it to be able to turn things around really quickly. So the supplies can be an issue um, when you're personalizing things and it also takes more time. It's very easy to mass produce something, which is why that's how most production goes um, when you're talking about things that are sold in retail. Um, But it's also really time consuming if you, for example, like if I were making a custom letter design, I would have to sit down and actually letter that new quote. I would have to turn it into a digital file. I would have to cut that particular file, which I didn't have on hand. Um, So that added every time, you know, that I needed to sit down and do all those steps again, instead of doing it all at once. The other thing is that When you mass produce, you can set aside time and say, okay, I'm going to take this day, this amount of time, and I'm going to make X number of things. Whereas for the made-to-order stuff, you're kind of waiting on orders to come in, and then you have to drop everything that you're doing to go back and make that personal customized product. And ultimately, that is what led me to shut down my Etsy shop. Every single time that I got an order, it was a unique kind of animal, and I had to stop the other things that I was doing for the blog and writing the books and come down here, cut a file, heat up the heat press, get out a shirt, press the shirt, bag the shirt, you know, and it just turned into this thing that took half an hour to make one shirt, as opposed to being able to produce way more than that in the same amount of time if I were mass producing. It ended up not being a productive use of my time, so I decided that I preferred to monetize in other ways that ended up being more profitable for me. But that's just a story to illustrate, you know, your particular situation would look different based on what it is that you're selling. Um, You know, maybe it's just as easy for you to create a crochet afghan using somebody's custom colors as it is to mass produce, but um, it's something to think about. Do you want to be a mass producer with a like it or leave it mentality, 
or do you want to open yourself up to customization, personalization? And if so, how much are you willing to change about the product? Another thing to think about as far as what you're selling is, is your product unique? Chances are, unless you have a really different hobby, there's someone else out there making and selling the same basic thing that you are thinking about making and selling. The trick is trying to figure out your own spin on that particular product. What is it that you're going to do that makes you different than the other folks who are selling that same essential thing? Maybe if you are, let's say, a hand lettering artist, your specialty is really funny quotes, or maybe your specialty is that you letter things that are scripture quotes, or maybe you letter on a unique surface. Maybe you do your lettering by wood burning um, particular things, coasters or wall art. So you want to think about what is it that makes your particular product stand out from the others that are like it out there in the marketplace. The other thing, we're still in question one here, what are you selling? The other thing we want to consider in this situation is, is it something that you want to make over and over? Even if you're not mass producing, you're still doing that same essential thing again and again. So for me, it was making t-shirts. It might be making jewelry. It might be crocheting potholders. I don't know what it is that you might want to sell, but is it something that you want to do again and again and again? For me personally, that answer was a resounding no. Um, I personally get really, really bored when I have to do the same thing more than once. Um, I hate repetition. I want to be creative. So I would rather be exploring new avenues and outlets. I want to try something once, maybe duplicate it a second time. But after that, I'm just not interested anymore. And that may be a flaw in my personality. It's hard to say. But it doesn't suit me very well for situations like where I have an Etsy shop or a craft fair booth and that kind of thing because I don't particularly enjoy sitting down and recreating those particular things. Some folks love it. You know, if you are a crocheter and it's therapeutic for you and you just love to sit and do that same stitch over and over again, more power to you. My mom, um, she likes to do those fuzzy knit scarves And right now she's working on those chunky blankets that everybody wants where you kind of finger knit or finger crochet. Um, And she loves to kind of get it down and then make one for everybody she knows. She also, on my blog, you'll see a tutorial for a really cute little uh, DIY key fob that's out of quilted fabric. And she loves to mass produce those. She chooses a couple different kinds of patterns of fabric and she'll just make 20, 30, 40 in a sitting, and then she'll give them away or sell them to all her friends. And she gets a lot of joy out of repeating that. She makes um, different pillowcases for my boys, and she also makes them, um, there's an organization that collects fun pillowcases for kids who have cancer. Um, And so she'll donate those. She loves, you know, once she finds something that she likes to do, producing more and more of them and then doing something with them, usually in her case, giving them away rather than selling. But that's satisfying for her. And if that's you, then this is maybe something you really want to look into. Just because it's not me doesn't mean it's not you. Um, So you really want to ask yourself that question, though. Is it something that you want to repeat over and over again as you continue to make sales? So that is question one, which is what are you selling? 
And then that leads us into question number two, which is probably the most common question that I get regarding business, and that's how do you price it? Because even though I don't really have my Etsy shop active anymore other than a few digital downloads, um, I have definitely been in the situation where I need to figure out what to charge for certain things. And even still, I need to charge when I do logo design or things like that for folks. So the question is always, you know, how in the world do I decide on a cost? I want to be reasonable. I don't want to seem to overcharge. But at the same time, I still need to make money and not lose money. The first thing I would say to you is don't ever forget that handmade is valuable. Your time and your skills are valuable. It is worth more for a handmade item than what you would pay for a factory produced item that has just been mass produced in a factory somewhere uh, that you would buy in a regular store. So don't devalue or undervalue the worth of the things that you create. Now, when it comes to actually choosing a number, the first thing I suggest is to add up your cost. And that includes, obviously, your supplies. What did you pay for the things that you needed? And you want to take into consideration, you know, say you're using a heat press or you're using a roll of vinyl. You know, don't just say, oh, well, I have a whole roll. Really think about, okay, if I were to divide this roll of vinyl how many designs could I cut out of it? So what does that make the cost per design? Because otherwise, if you just kind of write that off as, oh, well, I already bought that, I have that investment, you're not really considering what goes into making that particular product. So really add up your cost, even the hidden ones, and don't forget that part of your cost is your time. Your time is valuable, and you have to decide what it's worth to you. Then add up all those different things, all those pieces of your cost, and then see if you add a little bit to that, does that give you a reasonable figure? A good way that I test this is to ask myself, would I pay this amount for that thing? I will tell you up front that I am cheap. I hate to spend money. And even though I know that handmade things are worth more, I have a very difficult time parting with my money. I think I inherited that from my dad, and he would tell you that. Um, But when you consider that as an artistic person who understands the value of handmade things, I don't like to spend a ton of my money. Think about the fact that the average person who's not a creator definitely doesn't get the time and the skill piece of the equation. They don't always see why things are worth the price tag that's put on them. So keep that in mind that when folks are shopping, um, unless you get the very rare person, most folks are either looking for a decent bargain or sometimes they're looking just for inspiration. They're looking at your products so that they can go home and try to make it themselves. Um, The second thing that I would suggest is that you should definitely do your research. Go on Etsy or a similar seller site and you want to look up items that are very much like what you are attempting to sell. And you want to be specific so that you're comparing apples to apples. Let's take, for example, a hand-stamped necklace. Rather than just searching hand-stamped necklace, we want to be more specific and narrow that down. So we're going to say a sterling silver charm one charm on a chain because you can certainly go on Etsy and find just the charms. You can find charms that are made of 
less expensive materials than the sterling silver and we don't want to compare those things we want to compare exactly what it is that you're going to be selling so if i went to etsy and i did i searched sterling silver one metal stamp charm on a chain and what i found was a group of results that varied in price from about $20 to $83. And that's a huge gap. And what I would say to you about that is, first of all, you don't want to be the low number on the gap. So you don't want to be that $20 guy, because if you are, people will kind of in their mind think yours is the least valuable. They'll think that the cheapest option is lower quality, Um, where they'll also think that the most expensive option is ridiculous. They're going to say, okay, well, it's pretty, but I know it's not worth that because other people are charging a lot less. So you don't want to be the guy on the bottom and you don't want to be the guy on the top. Instead, you want to find a place happily in the middle somewhere. And as I looked at that particular search result, what I saw was that the majority of folks kind of fell into the $38 to $40 range, which I think is pretty reasonable. If I were to say, you know, for a sterling silver necklace, um, it's going to change a little bit based on if the charm is a miniature or if it's really large and that kind of thing or if there's a bead with it. But I think somewhere in that maybe 35 to 40 is a good range. Now, when you're putting that price tag on it, don't forget if you're selling online that you need to account for shipping too. When you ship People, I think in general, would rather have free shipping and pay a little bit higher price than they would pay a price and pay what they think is exorbitant shipping. Because here's the thing about shipping. We all know that it's reasonable. We all know that it costs money to mail things, but none of us actually want to pay it. I know that I fall into that category, and I'm guessing, friend, that you do too. And when folks go on Etsy or they go on other websites, they get irritated if they think, okay, I'm buying a $30 necklace, and then they go and the shipping is $7.99, because all of a sudden that looks a lot more like $40 when they thought they were spending $30. And sometimes folks will even leave their cart and decide not to pursue that purchase, because they feel like it's a hidden fee. It's something that you sprung on them at the end. Um, So what I would recommend is... Figure out what your shipping is going to be, and you can easily do that either by purchasing an inexpensive postage scale or by taking it to your local post office, you know, package it the way you're going to, get it all set in an envelope and have them weigh it for you and give you the prices for the different options, the two-day, the priority mail, the first-class mail, or if you're going to ship UPS, take it to the UPS store and see what it's going to cost, UPS or FedEx or however you plan to ship. But know what that number is going to be. And then rather than charging it as shipping, I would add that to your number. So let's say that you decided that you wanted to make that necklace for $35 or charge $35 for it, and it's going to cost you $3 to ship. Instead of $30 with $3 shipping, I would, or $35 rather, with $3 shipping, I would say charge $38 and offer free shipping because people love free shipping. They see that as an incentive. They see that as a reward. And that's, you know, something people love the word free. I love the word free. I love free stuff. So if you tell me I don't have to pay to ship it, I think you're awesome because I think you're doing something for me even though really you have worked that into the price. So that's my best advice for you when it comes to adding in shipping cost. Um, 
So as you're trying to figure out how do you price it, remember you're taking into consideration your cost, which includes your time and your energy, and you're also comparing it to other things that are very similar. You're seeing what other people are charging and making and going to a reasonable place in the middle of that. So hopefully that helps you when it comes to that crazy hard question of how do I put a price tag on something that I created. Now moving on to question three, what do you call your business? I think this is for a lot of people one of the hardest decisions that they have to make. And my suggestion to you is not to overcomplicate it. I would suggest choosing something that's easy to remember and easy to spell. You don't have to be super clever. For me, I just use my name, Amy Latta Creations. Um, You want something that people can easily search for, easily find, and you want to make sure that you're not copying too closely or exactly anyone else's name. Originally, when I was One Artsy Mama, I did not realize there was another One Artsy Mama on Etsy, so I wasn't able to get that actual URL, and people confused me with this other One Artsy Mama who sold products that were made for kids. I was trying to sell jewelry at the time, so it was a tricky kind of thing. I felt bad for taking her name, and I also had a lot of confusion from folks who were looking for me and found her or looking for her and found me. You also want to make sure when you're choosing a name that you don't box yourself in too much. You may eventually want to sell something different. Like I said, I sold jewelry, then I sold clothing, t-shirts. I also decided to do like some hand towels and things like that. Um, I now sell digital downloads. So you want to make sure that you're not calling yourself something too specific. For example, there's a store where I go shopping sometimes and it's called Just Cabinets. So in my head, I'm like, okay, they sell Just Cabinets. But then their tagline is mattresses, furniture, and more. So at this point, I'm utterly confused. What do you sell? Do you sell Just Cabinets or do you sell mattresses, furniture, and other things? Do you even sell cabinets? So I'm wondering, like, who in the world came up with this name and why did they think it was a good idea? Um, But I would say don't box yourself in because you may ultimately change what you decide to sell. So that covers the first three questions that you want to ask yourself when you're in the process of looking at turning your hobby into a money-making business. So what are you selling? How do you price it? And what do you call your business? In the next episode, we're going to tackle why are you selling? And then the big question, uh, which is going to take us a while to cover, where and how do you sell it? We're going to talk about the difference between physical and online sales, the pros and cons of each, and how to go about it successfully. So I hope that you found this episode helpful. And then I hope you tune in next time to hear the remaining questions answered. And hopefully that will give you a business plan for how you can turn your creative passion into a source of income for yourself and your family. Thanks for listening to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylattacreations.com.